now a look ahead to the return of an old favourite. This is institutionalised abuse and prejudice. No. I don't want to get caught up in a fight, but I'm not going to forget this. Well, it's like being at a Nazi rally. Yeah. <laughs> I will give you the benefit of the doubt and say you have American Excuse pronunciation. Excuse me, I've been upset with a lot of your decisions. Over <laughs> the subject is Actually, American pronunciation. I wish I was, which I was getting to. That was my preamble. Right. It's not called just an hour. Just a minute returns to BBC Radio 4 next Monday evening at 6.30. Do you have a problem with that? Now, a treat for Boxing Day. We present I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us for a second visit to the fine town of Harrogate in North Yorkshire. This year saw Harrogate's 56th International Christmas and Toy Fair. The event was opened by the town's mayor, but he burst into tears and complained it wasn't the one he wanted. <laughs> the, area, the area is well known for a number of fine abbeys, including Fountains Abbey, Revo Abbey and Jervo Abbey, which are now financed and promoted by a division of the National Trust. Restoration has begun on Fountain Abbey's lodging houses, or pensions, provided for travellers. However, experts fear the pensions may collapse since being taken over by the Abbey National Trust Fund. <laughs> In the 19th century, Low Harrogate gained something of a seedy reputation, but its cheap housing attracted many who went on to achieve greatness. These include the eminent physicist John Dalton, who pioneered research into colour blindness, when he discovered he was unable to distinguish blue light from red. This became apparent when Dalton went into Harrogate Police Station and asked for 20 minutes with Easy Lil from Richmond Hill. <laughs> Another famous former resident was the author Washington Irving, who wrote Rip Van Winkle and many other medical textbooks. <laughs> It's recorded that Lord Byron wrote his poem entitled To a Beautiful Quaker while on a trip to Harrogate in 1806 after noticing a beautiful girl in a black robe. The poem begins, Sweet girl, though only once we met, that meeting I shall ne'er forget, and though we ne'er may meet again, remembrance will thy form retain. Lost for many years, a poem in reply was recently unearthed in the Harrogate Library Archive. It reads, Sweet Lord Byron, you flatter me so. But to your offer of love, I must say no. For I am the vicar and aged 84. <laughs> and I think you've been at the laudanum once more. <laughs> During the Blitz, many government offices were moved to Harrogate from London. It was amazing how far a building would travel when the Luftwaffe scored a direct hit. <laughs> Mother Shipton, the famous witch of Yorkshire, was born in Nasbury in 1488. Mother Shipton later began foretelling future events and is said to have predicted the Great Plague of London, the charge of the Light Brigade, and even the sinking of the Titanic. 
However, there was one all too predictable disaster she unaccountably missed. <laughs> Let's meet the teams. They are on my left, Barry Crowder and Graham Garden. And on my right, Tim Brooke Taylor and Sandy Toxfield. And placing her seat carefully on my left hand. Please welcome our ever fragrant scorer, the delightful Samantha. Okay, we start today with a roundabout lost historical correspondence. Long before the age of email and texting, there existed many ingenious forms of communication. In the 20th century, the oldest lamp was developed to flash Morse code instructions between ships, with the result that one foggy night in December, a British destroyer found itself taking orders from the Bismarck's Christmas disco lights <laughs> and set off to attack the YMCA. Our knowledge of history is enriched by the private correspondence between the good and the great. One recalls a famous letter from Napoleon to Josephine on the eve of the Battle of Leipzig. As he desired to enjoy her in a natural state, Napoleon implored Josephine not to wash until he got home, something he lived to regret when he returned from prison 17 years later. <laughs> the teams have been delving in search of overlooked correspondence, and I'd like them to share with us the contents of any letters or cards which, had they been delivered, might have changed the course of history. Graham, you can start. One here, which is to Bodicea from Colchester Council. <laughs> Dear Madam, we regret we cannot renew your chariot license as the large blades sticking out from the wheels contravene health and safety regulations. <laughs> Tim? This is from Queen Elizabeth to Walter Raleigh. Dear Walt, if you're thinking of popping down to the West Indies or whatever it's called, please bring me a yam. I'm all right for ciggies and spuds, thanks. <laughs> Barry? Mona Lisa's agent. Portrait sitting confirmed. Don't forget, big grin. <laughs> Sandy? Dear Joan of Arc, this winter, why not come home to a real fire? <laughs> the fireplace shop, High Street, Rouen. Dear Mr Newton, we confirm we'll be round to remove that apple tree first thing Monday. Dear Mr. Tell, we confirm we'll be round to remove that apple tree first thing. <laughs> dear, dear Mr. Adam, <laughs> we confirm we'll be round to remove that apple tree. <laughs> A note from the post office to St. Paul. Letter to the Corinthians, marked return to sender. Holbein Photo Labs to King Henry VIII. We regret that the picture of a Swedish model was sent instead of the portrait of the ugly old bat Anne of Cleves. <laughs> hope this hasn't caused any inconvenience. Beethoven's agent to his client, do nothing till you hear from me. <laughs> One here to Granny Smith. Where do you want all those apple trees put? <laughs> 
The teams are going to sing along now with some well-known discs in the round called Pick Up Song. As is her habit, record researcher Samantha went down to the gramophone library earlier to choose the team's discs. This week she found the archivist busily gluing up some well-used cracked singles that she wanted to borrow. However, they weren't drying straight, so Samantha kindly helped out and supported their old seven inches by winding sellotape round until they were properly hardened up. <laughs> Samantha is now poised over the turntable and ready to give the discs a spin. You should sing along with the music, teams, and continue when Samantha turns the volume down. If, when the music returns, you're within a gnat's crotchet of the original, I'll be awarding points, and points mean prizes. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> You are. <laughs> <laughs> Worth a try. This week's, this week's prize is sure to delight every DIY enthusiast who likes to keep their underwear coordinated. It's this selection of Dulux Matt Emulsion Pants. <laughs> Graham, you're to start, and I'd like you to accompany Michael Holliday singing The Story of My Life. I'm gonna write the story of my life I'll tell about the night we met And how my heart can't forget the way you smiled at me I'd like the world to know the story of my life the moment when your lips met mine And that first exciting time I held You close to me Okay, you're next, Barry. I'd like you to accompany Marnie Nixon singing I Feel Pretty. Feel pretty, also oh, pretty. I feel pretty and witty and bright, and I pity any girl who isn't me tonight. I feel charming, also charming. It's alarming how charming I feel. You can tell, can't you? And so pretty that I hardly can believe I'm real. See the pretty girl in that mirror there? Who can that attractive girl be? Cut myself shaving. Such a pretty face, such a pretty dress, such a pretty smile, such a pretty knee. Like running and dancing. And finally, would you, Tim and Sandy, Please accompany Doris Day and Robert Goulet singing Anything You Can Do. <laughs> anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. No, 
Anything you can be, I can be greater. Sooner or later, I'm greater than you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I can shoot a partridge with a single cartridge. I can get a sparrow with a bow and arrow. I can live on bread and cheese. And only on that? Yeah. So can a rat. Any note you can reach, I can go higher. I can sing anything higher than you. No, you can. Yes, I can. 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 Oh, that was spot on. Pity about the echo. <laughs> the teams are going to give full vent to their acting skills now in the game called Sound Charades. <laughs> this is based on the erstwhile TV favourite Give Us a Clue, in which the players mime the title of films or books in complete silence, while the audience noisily enjoy themselves. <laughs> the teams, our team's version provides a neat twist to this concept. <laughs> The grandmaster of the genre was, of course, Lionel Blair, who became so, in- who became so, in- as you heard, became so renowned internationally. He was invited to Paris to work as a mime coach. In fact, while Marcel Marceau was looking to brush up his hand technique, it was Lionel who pointed him to Lecoq. Tim and Sandy, you're to start, please, and your title will shortly be displayed to the audience via the laser display screen. And here's the mystery voice for listeners at home. The Merry Wives of Windsor. The Merry Wives of Windsor. Off you go, Tim and Sandy. Uh, five words, and it's a play, and it goes like this. <laughs> What's that? No. You know, uh, Camilla. What? Um... <laughs> the tiniest chance <laughs> that I may be a little on the tipsy side. Uh, surely not, Mom. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've gone an Amontillado too far. <laughs> <laughs> what would Philip and Charles think of I it? don't know. I don't know. Oh, this is such fun. You know, but, but you know, whenever, yes. whenever I meet your daughter... Oh, uh, yes, Dad, yeah. yes. I don't, I don't know whether... She, to shake her hand or, or give her a lump of sugar. What do you like? That doesn't make me laugh as much as the thought of Edward getting married at all. Another barrel, please. Yes, I do. Never mind if I do. <laughs> Somewhat regal flavour, I would think, yeah. yeah. All regal it's stuff. All regal and jolly. Yeah, yeah. Jolly. They were jolly. Very jolly. jolly. Right, jolly. Is, that, is jolly a word that, that occurs in this play? <laughs> Quite close. Yeah. Um, Happy. Merry. Where, where do they live? <laughs> the Merry Wives of Windsor. <laughs> Right, your turn, Barry and Graham. Your title's now being exhibited on the laser display board. And here once more is the mystery voice for listeners at home. 
The Constant Gardener. The Constant Gardener. Right, this one is a book and a film. Three words. Three words. And it goes like this. Hamish. Oh, no. Hamish. <laughs> Hamish. I'm in the front room. Oh, ah, there you are, eh? <laughs> well, you'll have had Never your... Never mind that. <laughs> what, what are you doing with the lawnmower in here? Oh, well, just giving the carpet a trim, you know. <laughs> the, the shag gets out of hand now and again. Let's <laughs> see. It does, but what, what, have you, what have you done to the curtains? Oh, just a little bit of judicious pruning. Well... Good heavens, what are you doing with this pile of 60-watt bulbs? Well, I'll be planting them shortly. <laughs> Ready for the spring? Hey, Miss, hey, Miss, you're always up to this nonsense. Don't you ever stop? No. It's a book at a film. Don't you ever stop, start. You must... The L-shaped room, no... Um... <laughs> Uh, it's everything to do with gardening. Oh, ah, ah, ah oh, constant. Oh, it's it's yeah. constant. It's it's the constant gardener. Oh. Yeah. The next round concerns people talking about themselves, which all too often can be a tedious experience. We've all suffered those dinner parties where you get lumbered with the most boring person in the world. In fact, Barry was telling us he was at a corporate dinner the other evening in which he was seated next to an insurance account manager from Sidcup. There's not many of us could stomach three hours of relentless, mind-numbing detail about someone's terminally dull existence, and neither could the insurance man. <laughs> However, today the teams will be looking at the lives of well-known celebrities. I believe that's known in the trade as rubbing their noses in it. Teams, I brought along two genuine lifestyle articles detailing the daily routine of famous people. However, certain sections have been removed, and I'd like you to suggest how the missing extracts might have read. Okay, teams, the first article relates to Abby Titmus. Can you guess the missing sections for me, please? Here we go. I tend to jump into bed a bit quickly with men. Five weeks is the longest I've ever waited before jumping out again. <laughs> The answer is sleeping with someone. Oh. I like guys to be charming, witty, and... Not too fussy. <laughs> no, sharp. Oh. I'm the sort of person who goes to the pub with your mates and finishes the night with... An empty mates packet. <laughs> what she said was, a kebab. <laughs> The leaking of that sex video was one of the lowest points of my life. It was a bit of experimentation with a boyfriend with a camera, followed by... The news and weather. <laughs> no, the actions of a thief. After I first hit the headlines, I could have kept my job as... A slapper. <laughs> a nurse. I'm very lucky I sell magazines, but you have to remember I went to university. I was in charge of a 23-bed... Romp. <laughs> Emergency unit. I'm not a hooker, I'm a model and a writer. I'm really proud of my new book. It's about... Ready to be coloured in. <laughs> my own sexual fantasies. 
When I was on Hell's Kitchen, Gordon Ramsay was shouting at me so much in the first few days. He was using me as a sort of whipping post to show the others how to get the best out of a tart. <laughs> what he could do. Oh, let's try that again. This next article relates to Ozzy Osbourne. Can you guess the missing sections? Sharon's the organizer. She holds the family together. I've got the voice, haven't I? <laughs> I certainly don't. I get up in the morning, I've got a drawer full of black underpants, and I go... Ooh, look at the state of those underpants. <laughs> Which one should I wear? I've got no f***ing <laughs> choice about watching The X Factor. Music for grannies. As for Simon Cowell, I haven't met him, but it seems he can be a bit of a... Granny magnet. <laughs> no, he said f***ing <laughs> hole. I should have died in 1973 with the amount of chemicals I was... Embalmed with. <laughs> pumping through my body. Oh. The funniest thing about it all is, when I was born, I weighed... Up my chances with the midwife. <laughs> ten, ten pounds, fourteen ounces. I was one of the biggest children ever. They thought I was... A bouncy castle. <laughs> Twins. When I was with Black Sabbath, kids thought I was into killing anything and started turning up at the shows with snakes and... Ladders. <laughs> Bats. One day I caught one and assuming it was a fake, I put it in my mouth and... Tried to smoke it. Ripped it up. <laughs> I had to have a week of injections for... The sake of the bat. <laughs> Rabies. When I got fired from Black Sabbath, I thought my career was over. I stayed in a hotel for three months doing lots of... Light housework. <laughs> oh, yes. Cocaine and lots of booze. Sharon turned up and said, Look, if you can clean your act up, I'll try and... Get these underpants white. <laughs> Do something with you. I've come to the conclusion that I'll have a really crap death. On my gravestone, it'll read, Ozzy Osbourne the... People's Princess. <laughs> Man who bit the head off a bat. Excellent. It's music time now with Swanee Kazoo. This is where the teams perform instrumental duets, combining the emollient lilt of the Swanee Whistle with the buzzsaw rasp of the kazoo. Once an unlikely combination, the Swanee Whistle and the kazoo now go together as naturally as pig and poke, or under and arrest. <laughs> Piano accompaniment will be provided by Colin Sell. Incidentally, Colin was explaining he's been away on a Deaf Leopard tour. At least he said it was a Deaf Leopard tour. <laughs> There was nothing wrong with the animal's hearing when he started. <laughs> Tim and Sandy. Tim and Sandy, you can start, and I'd like you to provide us with a rendition of Shall We Dance to feature Sandy Toxvig on the kazoo and Tim Brooke Taylor on the swanny whistle. <laughs> okay. And now Barry and Greg... Oh, sorry. <laughs> 
You now, Barry and Graham, I'd like you to provide us with a rendition of The Happy Wanderer to feature Barry Cryer on the kazoo and Graham Garden on the swanee whistle. almost the end of the show, but it's just time to squeeze in a round of Vatican Film Club. <laughs> Samantha has to leave us now. She's off to meet her new bishop friend who treats her to inspirational readings. This evening she's looking forward to enjoying his Sermon on the Mount. While she's away doing that, I'd like the teams to suggest titles of films likely to appeal to the Pope and other members of the Roman Catholic Church. You can start this one, Sandy. Uh, Condom, the Barbarian. <laughs> Jim. I liked uh, Pope I, the Saviour Man. <laughs> Gary? Every which way but Luther. <laughs> The priest from 20,000 Fathoms. Rome alone. Pope fiction. Rome alone too. Mrs. Henderson prevents. The Quaker mass experiment. Fried green martyrs at the whistle stop cafe. Rosary's baby. Catechism on a hot tin roof. <laughs> Break me the bread of Alfredo Garcia. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's the end of the show and indeed this series. And what a mighty roller coaster of a series it's been. In the sense that roller coasters always make me feel sick. <laughs> so, from the team Samantha, myself, and the good folk of Harrogate, it's goodbye. Barry Cryer, Graham Garden, Sandy Toxvig, and Tim Brooke Taylor were being given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton, with Colin Sells setting some of them to music. 
The programme consultant is Ian Pattinson, and the producer was John Naismith. Thank you.